All right, folks, we're going to get ready to get started this evening. We are so glad to be able to celebrate an Easter service with you all. This is lovely. And then to be able to spend a Tuesday night with you, that's even better. So this evening, we, we will start with uh, John's going to come and read some of the resurrection story from Matthew 28. He'll have a word of prayer to open us up, and then I'll come back and my wife and I will lead you all in some songs. Then afterwards, we'll get into the word of the Lord. Praise God. Hello. As Pastor said, well, if you have your Bible with you, Matthew chapter 28, and read the first eight verses. Matthew chapter 28, 1 through 8. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we can set aside for you yes, God. to hear your word, to be encouraged, to be strengthened and edified. Lord, we pray for every single person here in this service that they would be encouraged through this service. We pray, Lord, that the, the Easter time of year, that it would bring a refreshing to each one of us and a new commitment to yes, follow God. you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, it's a great day to be alive if you're alive. Amen. Again, we're happy to be able to come out and fellowship in the chapel with, with all of you. And it's always a blessing to, to think about the goodness of the Lord. This is Easter week. So this is our opportunity to think about how good the Lord has been. Think about the fact he's been raised from the dead. There are many contrary voices, but we want to remember what the scripture teaches. And briefly, I'd like to teach from Luke chapter 24. I want to deal with the, the thought of his words and their words, beginning with verse number one. Upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. They found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus, and it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. 
And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, say, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. Here is a key sentence. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. His words and their words. Once again, let's pray. Father, for a few moments as we break the bread of life, we need you to speak to each and every heart with clarity. Remind us again of how fortunate we are that your son was raised from the dead. We pray, God, that you would speak to every heart. Let us leave here different than we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Over 115 years ago, there was a gentleman by the name of Guy Thorne who wrote a book called When It Was Dark. It was based on the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 1. It was a book of fiction, but he wrote it to tell the story of a very wealthy merchant who wanted to discredit Christianity. He knew that the only way he could do so was by writing a book against the resurrection. He understood that if the resurrection really was not true and it was invalidated in the minds of millions of people, that Christianity essentially would collapse, civilization would be thrown into chaos, and morals would fall apart. That book was popular for a very long time. What we need to know this evening is that there have always been people who have been naysayers and doubters of the resurrection. Many of these people have long ago passed from this life and moved into an eternity apart from God. But Jesus lives. The epitaph of the angels, it still rings true. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He's risen. Whenever I look at the resurrection story, I'm always impressed with the number of ladies that were involved with the ministry of Jesus. And Luke, of all of the gospel writers, goes out of his way to illustrate the importance that ladies were to his ministry. Over and over in his gospel, tells the wonderful story of how ladies ministered to him out of their substance. Can you imagine? All of these ladies that followed the Lord Jesus all around Galilee as the miracles were taking place. They were quite pleased to be able to see the, the blind have their eyes open, to see the cripples begin to walk, to see the deaf ears unstopped. I wonder how many mothers there were that had their children restored to them who had all kinds of infirmities and afflictions. 
There were mothers and fathers that smiled and were happy. There were grandparents that rejoiced out in open fields because Jesus had placed his hands upon some beautiful little child. The jealousy raged. The people were quite unhappy with what Christ was doing. And so one of the things that we do learn in Scripture is that he began to tell people that I'm going to be betrayed. People are going to turn their backs on me. Terrible people are going to crucify me, but I'll be raised again from the dead. And even though he made that prediction, the masses of people did not forsake him just yet. But as you read the story, you learn that the closer he moved to Calvary, the crowds began to thin out. The scripture tells us that when Jesus was arrested and then placed in the judgment hall and then beaten and then led to Calvary, he turned and saw a number of ladies following him. He said, don't cry for me, but think about your own children. Once Jesus had went to Calvary's hill and he stretched his body out on that cross, he interposed himself between us and the judgment of God and stretched his hands out wide, bearing our sins on that cross. Those ladies stood by the cross, John says. Mary, the mother of Jesus, another Mary, the mother of James, another Mary, the wife of Cleopas, Mary Magdalene. Scripture tells us that when Jesus gasped his last breath, can you imagine what it must have been like for the disciples to have to go and take that body down off the cross? The face that they had seen smile so many times. The hands that had touched so many people. The eyes that contained all kinds of warmth, people looked into them. They had to take some kind of a rag and wipe the blood from his brow to prepare him for burial. So think about the people in your own life that you've lost. How did you weep? How did it affect you? Did you cry? Did it break your heart? Was it a situation in your own life that that led you to a, a place of despair and despondency? But these ladies that had followed Jesus from Galilee, they followed him to the judgment hall. They followed him all the way to Calvary and they stood at the cross. And when they took the body down off of the cross, the scripture says at the end of Luke chapter 23, they followed him all the way to the tomb to see where his body was laid. It was a terrible death. Jesus had been bludgeoned. His body had been lacerated. I have no doubt that there were swollen tumors on his back because of how he had stripes laid upon him. His brow had been pierced by a crown of thorns. If we follow the writings of Isaiah, then we understand that when we looked upon him, there would have been horror and shame. But that's what Christ endured for your sins and mine. Now he's laying in a sepulcher and these ladies who have observed all of these preceding events over the previous hours have now decided to go back home and prepare some spices. Thousands of other people around Israel that evening went to sleep and never gave a second thought to the death of a man who said he was king of the Jews. How would you have slept that night? Had you seen such a sight? 
If you had seen Jesus die on that cross, how would you have closed your eyes that night? The ladies didn't. They were in preparation mode. They were getting ready to go and visit the body. And so as soon as the early mornings came, they, they began to make their way to the sepulcher knowing that he was dead. But yet wanting to revere his memory and honor the life that he had lived. Let's never forget that when he passed away, there were not a whole lot of believers that he was coming back from the dead. But the ladies, as the scripture tells us, they came before sunrise. They came while it was dark. And once they came there, they noticed that the stone was rolled away. Something they would have never been able to do for themselves. But an angel had come and moved the stone and sat upon it. You have to love the way God puts these stories together. There's some things we cannot do for ourselves that require the help and assistance of God. There's some things that occur in your life, some obstacles that become apparent and they are there and you are faced with a hindering problem and you cannot move it. You've done everything you wanted to do. You've worried about it. You've been concerned. You've been filled with anxiety, but it's something that only God can move. Early in the morning, the ladies didn't even understand how the stone had been rolled away. But once they got to the sepulcher, the first thing they did with curious, with curious minds, they entered in and lo and behold, the body was gone. Didn't cross their minds that Christ was raised from the dead. The idea they thought was that someone had come and abducted him or, or absconded with his body and, and moved him away so that they could not cherish him. They were frantic. The scripture says in verse four, as they were perplexed, two angels appeared. Now, perplexity is not an easy thing to deal with. Whenever you're looking for answers and you can't find answers, you certainly want someone to come and be able to speak with you. But here again, God has supernatural help. Angels were there at every movement or every aspect of the life and career of Jesus Christ. The angel Gabriel came to announce his conception. Spirit of God's going to come upon you, Mary. The angel of the Lord was there when Jesus was fasting for 40 days. It says, when the devil departed, the angel of the Lord ministered unto him. The scripture makes it very plain when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and praying about the death that he would have to endure, the angel of the Lord strengthened him. The Bible tells us now that once again, two angels are here and they have one question. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? That's the question to be asked for so many of us. So what do you mean? Why are we looking for the living amongst the dead? There are people in this world that deny that Christ is the Savior. You can turn on many programs on different channels on cable television, and every year at Easter time, they always have some kind of series about Jesus. Inevitably, you will have one or two or more scholars who will tell you that the, the Bible is filled with myths and legends. 
Maybe you should not take what the early writers said at face value because after all, they were believers in Jesus and devotees to any faith are known to be given to embellishment and exaggeration. But remember what the angel said to the lady. He said, he was with you and told you he would be betrayed. He told you he would be crucified. He told you that he would be raised from the dead. And according to verse number eight, they remembered his words. Whose words do you remember this evening? Do you remember what the scripture says about Christ? Do you remember what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have recorded of the words of Christ? Or in your memory this evening, are you thinking about what some unbelieving scholar or pastor told you? I give you my word. His words will get you to heaven. His words will bring peace to your heart. His words will bring joy to your soul. The other ones very often will leave you in a state of perplexity. You say, well, pastor, there are a lot of things I don't understand. And there are a lot of questions I have that I don't have the answers to. Well, the scripture says the secret things belong to God. But what he has revealed belongs to man. Don't go to hell over a mystery. But God, by his Holy Spirit, is able to enlighten your heart so that you can look for the living, not amongst the dead, but amongst the living. If I'm going to find Jesus living in somebody's heart, I've got to find someone that believes that Jesus is alive in their heart. So I want to be around people that love the Lord. What is a church service supposed to be? What is a fellowship supposed to be? Is it truly supposed to be a garden in which we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord? Or is a church service supposed to be something very similar to what you would feel if you were in a morgue? Is it supposed to be something that produces life? It's supposed to produce life. Whenever we think of Christ, whenever we consider what he means to us and what he's doing in our heart, we over and over hear the Spirit of God with a booming voice saying, he's not here, he is risen. You say, but pastor, I saw a very educated man, a very popular man. He has thousands of people, a lady who's written a number of books, and and they said that maybe he truly didn't raised from the dead, but yet it was just something the disciples made up afterwards. I'm telling you, the scripture says he's alive again. The stone's been rolled away. You can go out here to any cemetery you want to and read what's written on many of the tombstones. You can dig up the remains and the bodies haven't disintegrated into dust. You will find the DNA of a number of different people. Some of them will have been related. But people have been searching for thousands of years for the body of our Savior. We know exactly where it is. It's at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. But people are looking. They're saying, where is Christ? I can tell you where he is tonight. Individually, he's in our hearts if we're believers. Corporately, where two or three are gathered, he's in the midst of them. Do you remember his words? Because those are the words that matter. His words are life. So these ladies, of course, they returned from the sepulcher, told these things to the eleven and all the other people who were believers. 
And I like the fact that it gives us some of the names. Mary Magdalene, a woman who had seven devils or demons cast out of her. Now we don't know much about her background. The scripture does not teach she was a prostitute. It very simply says, out of her, several demonic entities were cast. But if she had these different spirits inside of her, she must have had a very difficult life, very sinful life. And a woman like this came in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ and immediately experienced liberty and freedom and was instantly attracted to him. That's why she couldn't leave him. That's why she couldn't walk away from him. That's why she followed him from Galilee to Calvary to the tomb because she knew that all that she had in this new life she owed to the man that was in the grave. And you know the Bible teaches that to whom much is forgiven, they love very much. This lady couldn't forget what Christ has done for her. Can you remember what he's done for you? Can you remember, can you recall what your life was like before Christ became your Savior? Can you remember the kind of character that, that you were? Maybe you were self-righteous. Maybe you thought you were as good as everybody else that went to church, even if you didn't go to church. Or maybe you did go to church and you were just a religious person that went to church because that is what people did. But one day, there's something that changed in your life. Christ invaded your heart, and once he came in, all the bad went out. And once some of the bad went out, it's at that point that you saw your life was changed. Whereas you once were cold-hearted and mean-spirited, now you're tender and gentle, and you cry at the singing of a hymn sometimes. Sometimes you find yourself weeping. Someone's in pain. You find yourself now whispering a prayer for friends and sometimes enemies. Mary Magdalene was like any one of us in here today that was in need of redemption, whose past wasn't the best, who can look back and realize at one time we were grudge bearers. Maybe people looked down upon us because they thought that we were bad people, wicked people, corrupt people. Mary Magdalene stood close to the cross and she found that Jesus became everything that she needed. But then there's another one mentioned, one by the name of Joanna who was related to one of Herod's workers. Jesus even had people in his circle who were somewhat well-placed and wealthy. These ladies ministered to Jesus out of their substance. That's what you do. That's what I do. We give to the Lord. We support the Lord in a variety of different ways. But if you had walked with Christ and had you seen him walk on water, and multiply loaves of bread, fishes, there's a very good chance that you also would have wanted to give your all to Christ. That's what the ladies did. 
They came and told the apostles, they said, look, we just spoke with some angels. They were very clear with us. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And when they spoke their words, it says in verse 11, their words seemed like idle tales. They had a hard time believing that it was true. Do you struggle with that? Some people do. Some people can listen to 10 gospel messages and still wonder whether or not any of it is true. But if God the Holy Ghost opens up your heart and you can apply the word of God to your mind and see the truth of all of this, it's like a fire that burns on the inside of you. Idle tales. Many of the commentaries that I have are written by people who believe these words were idle tales. Sermons that I've heard from preachers, they believe that these words are idle tales. But I think if we allow God to speak clearly to our hearts, there's no doubt that the truth of God will win out. The question is asked, what can you do against the truth? I don't think you can do anything at all. Well, we'll conclude by saying this. It says, they believed not the words of the lady. Thank God that's not the end of the story. Eventually, Peter runs to the tomb himself. But when it's all over, faith grows in all of their hearts. And it's essential to know that just because someone begins as a believer, that doesn't mean that their life will conclude in that manner. And to know God is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I pray that tonight when we put our heads on the pillow, that we too will be able to know that faith in Christ is what matters most. To love him will lead you to want to get to know him. And the more we get to know him, it will cause us to want to love him even more. But praise the name of the Lord. I think we'll sing one more song. And we'll do the um, we'll do the first first three verses. Here we go. Nearer, my God, to Thee.
celebrate and think about our Lord at this Easter time. I want to give the benediction. We will be dismissed as we can fellowship with one another. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be able to have this opportunity to gather in this facility. We're happy, Lord, about your word. We're happy we were able to sing the songs of Zion. Now, as we prepare to depart from this place, but never from your presence, we pray that you cause your face to shine upon each one of us in every direction that we go. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.